Listening to the coffee hour, I'm Eddie Bates. It is Tuesday, January seventh. Sarah's out today. Uh, she'll be back soon. She'll be joining us, I believe, tomorrow. She'll be back uh, after some Christmas adventures. Speaking of Christmas, uh, happy Christmas to our friends in the east. I believe today is uh, Christmas for our friends in the the Eastern Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church. So, a blessed Christmas to you. Uh, we have. Two great uh, guests today as we're going to take a look at the January issue of The Lutheran Witness, some uh, some insightful topics. We're going to take a look at views on grace, uh, take a look from uh, at the perspective uh, from different perspectives of, of different confessions or denominations on grace and what they teach on grace. And uh, also um, five tips on how to love those, how to care for those hard to love people in your life. Uh, and that'll be with Deaconess Shana uh, Werdeman coming up in the second half. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Joining me by phone this morning, Pastor Andrew Preuss, regular guest here on KFUO, and uh, pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in McGregor and Trinity Lutheran Church in Gutenberg, Iowa, and uh, author of Views on Grace in the January 2020 issue of The Lutheran Witness. Pastor Preuss, thanks so much for being my guest this morning on the Coffee Hour. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Views on grace. Uh, we only have about 12 minutes to dig into this, and this is a, a great article, I think, providing an, uh, some really great insights on uh, other Christian denominations and, and what they believe and teach regarding grace and, and how that compares to uh, what Lutherans believe and teach regarding grace. Uh, so you take a look at a couple of, a few denominations on this, this very topic of grace. How did you decide what denominations or confessions you would look at? Well, the the short answer is that uh, one of the uh, the editors from Lutheran Witness uh, suggested, you know, Catholic, Reformed, and Lutheran, or Catholic, Protestant, like other Protestants and Lutheran. So mm-hmm. the Roman Catholic view was already kind of given to me as a as an assignment, which is understandable because that is kind of the predominant denomination, especially in in Western Christianity. Uh, but then when it came to the, the Protestants, I kind of, I had to think, well, okay, you can, you can talk about all these different denominations, which have all sorts of nuances, especially with like the end of the world and stuff like that. But when it comes to grace, uh, it really comes down to two types of, of Protestants outside of Lutherans. And that would be what are historically known as the Calvinists, who follow John Calvin. And then what are historically known as the Arminians, who follow a guy named, uh, or who are influenced by a guy named Jacob Arminius, and more recently probably influenced by uh, a guy named uh, John Wesley, um, and uh, and after him probably someone like like Charles Finney uh, in the Second Great Awakening in in America, and so those so those those two parts of Reformed of the Reformed denomination kind of summarize all of the denominations together. So when we talk about Reformed denominations, this, this would, what, what would that include? Like uh, Presbyterian, Baptist, um, a, a variety of, of denominations within that Reformed tradition. Is that right? Yeah. Any, any denomination that we could still consider within the pale of Christendom, 
So it would not it would not include Mormons or or Jehovah Witnesses, but it would it would include any of those denominations that would confess the Trinity, that we could that we could you know accept their baptism, uh, that we could still we could still say that there are Christians in their fellowship, even though there is false doctrine mixed in there. The the pure gospel still shines through the darkness. And so, and, and then the other would be that they're obviously they're not Catholic. So Protestants, really originally, Pro, the Protestants were the Lutherans, who, you know, were who, who kind of came to defend the faith at the Council or the Diet of Fire and later at the Diet of Augsburg, uh, presenting the Augsburg Confession. And those are really the original Protestants. But Protestants over the years has kind of become known more as the other group that are not Catholic and yet are also not Lutheran. And so so Lutherans will get kind of lumped in with them. And so a lot of Lutherans don't like to call themselves Protestants, but historically they are. So, But Reformed, uh, again, it's, 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 when we talk about the Reformed, some people might get a little bit confused thinking that we're talking about the Church of the Reformation. But historically, after, you know, through the years, while at times Reformed would refer to those churches that were part of the Reformation, namely Lutheran churches, after a while it became known as, you know, something to describe the uh, the, the Calvinist uh, religions or the, the Calvinist denominations, who specifically do not believe in the power of the sacraments, don't believe in the in the body and blood of Jesus being present in the Lord's Supper, stuff like that. You could probably say the same is true of the word evangelical as well, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's become <laughs> kind of hijacked as well in our day. So what sources did you consider for uh, digging into the, the, the teachings of these confessions of faith or these, these uh, denominations? What, what sources did you go to for um, Roman Catholic teaching? Yes. So the Roman Catholics, they, they really were not formulated in their dogma as we know it today until right around the time of Luther's death, they had an ecumenical council. And I put ecumenical kind of in quotes because they didn't invite the Lutherans. And that was known as the Council of Trent, which, and I believe it was was 1560 or so that they finally finished it. And so the council, the canon, and, you know, the definitions, the, the, the dogmatic definitions of the Council of Trent. Would be uh, would be one source, which kind of lays down some historic groundwork for really what Roman Catholics teach. But of course, you've had a couple other councils since then, and you have uh, Vatican II, which more people are probably familiar with, which was from the 1960s. And after that, then you had uh, kind of the the real official dogmatic text for Roman Catholic questions and answers and what they believe, known as the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And if you listen to Catholic radio, you know, like Catholic Answers and stuff like that, they'll point you to that. They'll say that is really the book to go to if you want to know what Catholics believe. So I went to the Council of Trent to, you know, show, you know, really what their view of grace is, because that's that's where it, it, it is first kind of solidified and defined. But then I had to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church to really show what they still teach. Right, so that to kind of dispel the idea that that they've changed, that they've ch- and they've changed a little bit in their flavors. They've become maybe more 
quote unquote progressive in the way that they teach officially, but the teaching of grace among the Roman Catholics is still the same. And and so that's why I chose those two sources. And then for the Reformed, uh, the, more the, the, the bound will or Calvinists? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I chose the, you know, I could have looked at Calvin himself, mm-hmm. um, but there's, you know, there's a lot to look at there. But to look at an actual confession, uh, the, I found the, the most useful place to go is the Synod of Dort. Uh, which is uh, which which was really kind of a, you know a later generation, but but a fairly early generation of Calvinists, and that is where the Arminians were condemned, and that's where you have what is known as five part Calvinism, also known as tulip, total depravity, unconditional election, uh, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints, and you know you can look up what those mean. I suppose uh, we probably don't have time to go through all those, but but that really that source helps you know give you an idea of what Calvinism as we would know it today or historically would really be teaching. And then the the other reformed group, the the more free will or Ar- Arminian. And and the thing about them is that they are not as big on confessions. Lutherans are big on confessions. You know, we got the Augsburg Confession, the Topology, the uh, the small called articles, the Catechism, you know, Formula Concord, and these we, you know, confessional Lutherans stand on these as true expositions of the Word of God. The Reformed, the Calvinists are are not as big on confessions as Lutherans, but still, you can go to the Synod of Dort, you can go to other kind of definitions, uh, the other councils that and 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 articles. But when you get to the Arminians, they're just a little bit less about confessions. And they're more about kind of influential people. So like Jacob Arminius would be the first one. Uh, I mentioned uh, John Wesley and then, you know, Charles Finney later on, and you have various others. So I just chose to go to a sermon that was written about grace by probably one of the most influential Arminians uh, that is a free will reform, someone who believes that, he has a, that we all have a free will, uh, and that is John Wesley, a sermon that he wrote on grace. And then, of course, you you also look at the Lutheran perspective as well. The, yeah, the Lutheran the confessions. Bible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, as, as you were studying um, in order to prepare this uh, for your article in the Lutheran Witness, what stood out for you as you were looking at these other confessions and how they approach grace? Yeah, that's a great question. What really stood out, the central thing, is where they locate grace. And the thing about the scriptures is that it, 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 it really binds grace to the redeeming action of Christ, right? That, that, uh, that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God being justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, right? And so this grace is not, some, is, is, is not to be found anywhere but in the redeeming work of Christ and therefore in the gospel for the which is the very power of God to salvation for all who believe. And every other definition of grace that you run into is going to define it in such a way that it's going to include something within you. So for the Roman Catholics, it's going to include your own cooperation uh, with your work, with your, uh, with your using your free will. Uh, with the free will reformed, it's going to include your free will decision right that you 
make that decision, invite the Lord Jesus into your heart, make him your personal Lord and Savior. And for the Boundville Reformed, that is for the Calvinists, it, it, they acknowledge, and they're closer to us in this way, they acknowledge that the will is by nature sinful and unclean and depraved and not able to come to God. But because they cannot ground the grace of God in the Word, you know, completely in the Word, because, again, for them, the grace of God is bound in some invisible decision that God has made to choose some for eternal life and choose some for, you know, ordain some for, uh, for eternal damnation. Therefore, they cannot ground the universal grace of God in the Word of the Gospel, not completely. Instead, they need to kind of look within themselves to discern whether they have that inner witness or testimony of the Spirit, and then they look at their lives, and, and which isn't a bad idea. We should always be examining our lives, you know, uh, but, but that is kind of where they have, they're forced to kind of look at the evidence within them to see if the grace of God is really there. Whereas for, for Lutherans, and really for Scripture, we ground the grace of God simply in the gospel, and we know that it's for all. And so we, while we can certainly examine ourselves and find the evidence of faith in our lives, and we should be doing that, that's called repentance, and, you know, living a sanctified Christian life, where we find the grace of God is exclusively in the work of Christ and that word of the gospel declared to us through the preaching of the gospel, through the, the body and blood of Jesus uh, given to us, uh, not us trying to sacrifice it to God or think, simply being obedient to God and remembering his death, but no, the very body and blood of Jesus coming to us, our baptism, which actually does save us uh, and continues with us throughout our lives. So, so this becomes the main hallmark is that the scriptures ground the grace of God completely in the work and word of our Savior. Amen. And we don't need to look into ourselves. Check it out. Views on Grace in the January issue of The Lutheran Witness. Pastor Andrew Preuss of St. Paul Lutheran Church, McGregor and Trinity Lutheran Church in Gutenberg, Iowa. And some others uh, also join in and uh, and share and, and, and carry on or, or continue uh, on some of those as well. The uh, Pastor Reese and Pastor Flammy continue on with the, uh, the Reformed tradition of the Roman Catholic tradition dig a little bit deeper into that thank you so much pastor preuss for being my guest on the coffee hour today you're very welcome thanks for having me